When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal. Season 12 Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Episode 9, Season 12. That's right, I can't believe that it's already our penultimate episode for this season. Now, Episode 9 and of course our finale next week both have one thing in common and that's other than being chilling to the bone. They both take place about 40 minutes from where I'm sat. Just a small flight across the Irish Sea. Now, our first experience on today's show, our penultimate episode, takes place in Northern Ireland. And believe me, it sends shivers down my spine. Next week's finale will see us cross the border over into Ireland, homeland of my grandparents and also the home of our submitter for next week's finale. And next week's finale has that one endearing quality that I find so intriguing in doing this show. It's still going on. But it's not yet the finale. We have the not-so-small matter of today's experience. And today's experience is one of those wonderful ones where the experience of themselves are a sceptical person. And despite what they've experienced, they're battling with themselves to try and remain sceptical. Although, as you'll hear, they have no logical explanation for their truly terrifying experience. But before we reach today's penultimate experience, of course, I've taken a few weeks off and we have a list of Patreons to thank. So what we will do, as we do when we have a bigger list, is we will do half now and half at the end of the show. Some will also spill into the season finale. When you sign up to our Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes, both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every Sunday without fail, even in the downtime between seasons. And with a break in seasons due to come up, it means you don't have to miss your paranormal fix. Plus, you will gain access to the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites, nearly 60 hours worth of Patreon-only content. 
This means that not only will our Patreons receive next week's finale days before anyone else, they also receive the debut episode of Season 13 before everyone else, ad-free content for both the episodes and minisodes, and of course, an extra podcast each and every week just for that wonderful team. We truly have built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal, just like these wonderful new team members have. And don't forget, if you don't hear your name, there's also going to be a list at the end of the show, and some may spill into next week's finale. But let's welcome our first list of new team members. Desiree M, Melly Joey, Nurtured Online, Dawn Stevens, Taniqua Bailey, Michelle Taylor, Lily Constant, Jada Durham, Mikey Crouch, Samantha Adkins, Ursa, Linz, Margaret Tiss, Angie Hackett, Jam Hooven, Jenny Gage, Leslie Doherty, Okamoko, Barbara D. Tarwater, Candy, Joanna Dorman, Lizzie Massey, Amber Mooney, Nick, Rebecca Pickard, Carly Scrag, Lee Charlotte, Lily Verdugo, Chase Canam, Neve DeFelli, Matty Bolts-Busey, Jennifer S. Gutierrez, Mrs. X, Samantha Smith, Jessica Lavender, and Sean Amos. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. It truly means the world. And if you'd like to join our team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about a dark exploration. Before I begin, I'd like to thank you for all your hard work in helping bring people's experiences to earth. I've been avidly listening for some time now, and I figured it was finally time for me to sit down and share my experience with your show. Though I'll gladly share my actual name with you, if you could refer to me as Jay for this experience, that would be preferable. Firstly, I need to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that I was not a believer in the paranormal before these events occurred. And even though the experiences that you're about to read should be leading me down a very different path, I still err on the side of logic and debunking theories on the paranormal. Contradictory may be, but I guess that's just how I'm wired. As a massive lover of horror films, I think I just became desensitised to anything strange or scary. Call it a defence mechanism, if you will. But rest assured, after my experience, which I've done my utmost best to justify was just coincidences, I've become more open-minded, let's just say that. Before the events that took place, I was just a very normal guy. I still am, I guess. I work an honest 40-hour-a-week job. I'm married with two young kids. And I reside in the countryside, just on the outskirts of Belfast, Northern Ireland. I guess this all started through my love of urban exploring. I'm sure many of the listeners will know what I mean when I say that. But for those who don't, it's pretty much exploring abandoned buildings, be it schools, hospitals, prisons, shopping centres, you name it, we've explored it. I had a mild interest in doing urbex, which is the hobby's condensed name, urban exploring. 
by admiring fellow explorers' photos. But I didn't think I would have the time or find the right team to venture out for myself. Until one day, right out of the blue, I was contacted by an old work friend. He'd been looking through some old Facebook memories and thought it would be a good time to get in touch for old times' sake. I'll call him Steve. Well, me and Steve got on like a house on fire back in our days working together. So when my phone rang late one Saturday night, after a few drinks with the wife, and it was Steve asking if I'd like to tag along for a trip to an abandoned prison, I obviously jumped at the chance. I put the phone down and said, This is my chance to go urban exploring firsthand. My wife could hear the joy in my voice, and she knew of my interest, and obviously also knew that me and Steve were good mates, so she happily agreed to let me go out. Go on then, you go ahead, the kids are in bed, she said. I'm tired, I'm going to hit the hay, but you head out and enjoy some lads' time. I quickly threw on my work boots, threw a torch in my bag and awaited Steve's arrival. Well, the first trip was amazing. Walking the empty, dark corridors was exhilarating and, for most people, I imagine it would send them packing. But I felt at peace. In a good way. I've always been a fan of the dark, and I can't sleep unless I'm in complete darkness. So I surprisingly felt right at home. The night was spent taking photos of all the things left behind. And, of course, catching up with an old friend. Well, before I knew it, I was hooked. And I became quite the urban explorer, upgrading all my gear and doing research on all the places that we could try next. I was truly in my element. After a year of nighttime adventures, we came across an abandoned hospital a few miles up the road from where I lived. Well, it was notorious for being difficult to get into, as it was always sealed shut. But Steve phoned me one night, explaining someone was in there recently. Hey Jay, so tonight's the night. We're going in. You don't mean... Yep, it's open. Some guy just posted he was there last night, so no time to waste. Now, at this point, I should add that our golden rule as a team of explorers is that we don't use forceful means of entry. And if a door or window is already open, then we will continue to explore. Otherwise, if we don't find an honest way in, then it's a bust and we don't go in. Steve picked me up and we were ready to tackle my dream destination, the infamous hospital. When we arrived at the hospital, we followed the video's path and made our way through the hedge to the back of the hospital, where a large basement window was missing. Obviously, it was boarded up at some point, as the hospital had been vacant for some time, and the majority of the windows were boarded up. A quick jump down and a tight squeeze through, and we were in. We spent a good hour walking those corridors, going room to room, photographing every inch before we came to what looked like a first-floor loading bay for supplies and the likes. Well, that large opening, which would have been a shutter door, was now missing. 
and I walked over, slowly, to take in the view. The decaying beauty of all... Suddenly someone yanked back on the hood of my jacket. I staggered and immediately jumped up. I turned around and saw Steve about five feet away, and our other teammate Chris even further away. Ha ha, very fucking funny, Steve. What's so funny? You think I'm stupid? You pull me hood, trying to make me scarper? What the hell are you talking about? You know you can't scare me. I don't fall for that shit. But nice try. Steve shrugged his shoulders, gave me a weird look, and continued investigating the rest of the room. Well, I laughed it off, calling him a dick for attempting something like that. With me, of all people. Chris would have been an easier target, I thought to myself. Okay, okay, I know that was a very mild experience, but that was my first one. You see, Steve swore blind for days that he was nowhere near me when I jumped. We went on several more explorations without any incidents, and it was back to business as usual. More photos, more cool places to see. I'd finished work one day and got home at the usual time around 4.30pm. Now, this was around wintertime, and around 4.30pm, it was nearly pitch black outside. Like I said before, I live in the countryside, and when I walk my two dogs, I have the option of the field behind my house or the glen a further five minutes down the road. I grabbed the leads and set off for the glen. It was a more pleasant walk anyway, and plus I'd done it hundreds of times in the dark. Before I reached the end of the streetlights, I headed down the dark road to the glen, and I bumped into my neighbour, Andy. He was a similar age to me and grew up in the same place. Oh, how are you keeping, mate? Anything new with you? Same old, same old, you know. You know the typical answer everyone gives. Well, I've just been out doing a lot of urban exploring, actually. It's great fun. Most people think I'm a bit weird for doing it until they see the pictures. And then they're like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, I've heard of that, said Andy. That's pretty cool. You know that there's an abandoned World War II shelter at the top of the glen, right? No, there isn't. There's a waterfall at the top of the glen. No, no, go past the waterfall near the timber yard and you'll see it. I thanked him for the info and thought I'd check it out. But not tonight, though. Dinner would be ready soon, and this had to be a quick walk. Definitely tomorrow, though. That next night, I made my plan to head up to see this bunker or shelter. But before I left, I heard my wife shout, Can you take Carl? Carl's our little boy. He's been hyper all day, and the walk will tire him out before bed. Will do, I replied. So I got my son's wellies on him, and I grabbed his own little dinosaur torch, and we set off. We ventured through the glen, up past the waterfall, and, as Andy said, we came across this overgrown opening on the side of the hill. I walked over and pulled back the ivy and found the numbers 1941 engraved on the concrete entry. Holy shit! This is it! 
I couldn't believe this was five minutes from my house this whole time. I told Carl to hang back until I checked it was safe. I pushed through the ivy bushes and made my way in. The place was littered with empty beer cans, obviously a popular drinking spot for the local kids. Then, in the corner of my eye, I saw some names scratched into the corner of the bomb shelter. Mostly the names of kids that drank there and the year they were there. But above all the names, I saw the words, Harold died here. But I let out a little chuckle, as most abandoned places we visited always had a someone died here spray-painted on the walls. I walked back outside and told Carl he couldn't go in, what with all the broken bottles and cans. Thankfully, he didn't put up much of a fight and was happy to head home, walking ahead of me. Then, from behind me, I sincerely heard in a low grumble, Harold's still here. I shot around to see where that came from, panning around the trees with my torch back and forth to see if anyone was lurking about. I quickly grabbed Carl's hand and began walking with pace out of the glen. But after about ten steps, I see a light up ahead in the trees. I stopped and told Carl not to make a noise. Stay quiet, Carl, I said, hunching slightly, trying to focus on their torchlight ahead. Then, from the direction of the torchlight, I hear, Hurry up, Dad. Mummy will shout at you. It, it was Carl's voice. I froze in utter terror, because if that was Carl, whose hand was I holding? I slowly turned around to my right to see, and I felt the grip loosen, and there was nothing, absolutely fucking nothing. I ran off to catch up with Carl, grabbed him on the way, and we ran to the end of the glen. Completely out of breath, I asked him, Did you see who was holding Daddy's hand? Don't be silly, Daddy. I was here. I'll tell Mummy you were holding another girl's hand. He chuckled. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I just couldn't sleep that night. I tossed and I turned thinking about whose hand that was. I convinced myself it was just adrenaline and that I'd imagined it. I didn't let it bother me over the next few weeks. I even began laughing at myself. How did I even let myself believe I heard a voice? Or better yet, was holding the hand of someone that wasn't my son. I've just watched far too many movies. No, I imagine the whole thing. Well, several months went by and I had completely forgotten about my experience at the shelter. I was flicking through Instagram 
checking other local urban explorers' pages and trying to find a new location, when I stumbled across a paranormal team. Well, they'd recently visited an abandoned morgue. We'd heard rumours of this morgue, but we had no idea where it was. So I decided to reach out and make inquiries to the location. And we ended up hitting it off. They shared our love of urbex, just as much as they did paranormal investigations. And they offered me a chance to go on an investigation the very next night. Now, I was always the hard sceptic in our team, unsurprisingly. And the other members had a keen interest in the paranormal. And they would attempt their own investigations, using apps on their phones, which, in my opinion, are all just gimmicks. So I threw it out in our group chat that I'd just been in touch with a paranormal team and they'd invited us all along. Unfortunately, as it was midweek, none of them could commit, so I decided to go on my own and see how it all worked. And who knows, if it was good fun, then they could all come to the next one. Well, the next night came and I made the 20-mile journey to the map pin they'd given me. It was in the middle of nowhere, and the old hospital was across the road from it. So it was clear why this morgue had stayed undiscovered for so long, as you wouldn't have suspected it on the other side of the road from the hospital. I made my way through the bushes and found myself stood in front of a completely overgrown building. I was met by a tall fella called Robbie. You must be Jay. My wife's been telling me all about you. Follow me. Well, we ducked under more bushes and found our way in through a door of the morgue. Their team had been there a while and had already most of their equipment set up for the evening's investigation. I was introduced to everyone and then the rules were laid out to me. So, have you ever done anything like this before? said Robbie's wife, Claire. Who, me? No, never. I'm quite the sceptic in all honesty, but I am very interested. Plus, my team would love all this, so I'm here to pass on what I see and see what's involved. OK, well, if you're not comfortable doing anything on your first night, don't worry. You can be a fly on the wall. Just take everything in. Brilliant, I'd appreciate that, I replied. Their experiments began with the usual. Dowsing rods, black mirrors before bringing out the Ouija board. Now, I've never believed in the authenticity of the Ouija board, and I've always convinced myself someone is moving the piece. So I was looking out for the signs, white fingertips of the pressure of people pushing it, etc., identifying the one who's actually moving the planchette. I was asked if I'd like to partake, and I kindly rejected. I was happy enough to watch, though. Now, I know what you're probably all thinking hearing this. Well, if you don't believe, what's the issue with using it? Well, you see, my wife does believe. And before I left the house that night, she literally begged me not to use a Ouija board if one came up. So I was purely acting on the request of my wife. Three members of the team began using the board, calling out to anyone who may be present. 
They got a few names and asked the usual questions. All the while, I'm staring at their hands, trying to see exactly who is moving it. Then they made contact with a man. He didn't give his name at first, but they asked if he had a message for anyone in the room. Well, the damn planchette moved in my direction. You have a message for Jay? The planchette moved to yes. What's your message for Jay? Claire asked. Watching you, it spelt out. You're watching him. Again, the planchette moved to yes. Where are you watching Jay? B. O. M. B. Does bomb mean anything to you, Jay? I shook my head nervously. H. A. N. D. You watch his hands? asked Claire. The planchette moved to no. Do you want to hold his hand? The room chuckled. The planchette moved to yes. I ship myself. Bomb. Hand. I knew where this was going. I only just met this team and I'd never told them the story of the shelter. So how the fuck were they doing this? Claire asked me if I wanted to ask anything. What's your name? I calmly asked. H-A-R-O-L-D. I could feel every inch of my body shake. This isn't real. They must have known. I've only told Steve. Have they been in contact with him? Every rational explanation was going through my head. Then the planchette moved again. P. I really wasn't liking this now, so I asked to step outside and catch my breath. They ended the session and I walked to the door for a smoke, still shaking. I was thinking to myself, how the fuck did they know? I'm going to kill Steve if he's messaged them. Robbie appeared beside me and asked if I was okay. I tried to play it cool, but he could see right through me. I broke. I just told him the story. He then replied that Claire had just said to him that she felt a real bad energy from the spirit of Harold and that she was glad she'd ended the session. Well, of course, this sent me further into a panic. Then Robbie calmly said, Look, you're a self-proclaimed sceptic. Spirits don't like to attach themselves to people like you, usually. So you'll be all right. He then handed me his necklace of St. Michael and said, Hold on to this. It'll protect you. Not that you'll likely need it, but it might at the very least give you some peace of mind. He winked at me, patted me on the back, and headed back inside. I stood outside for the remainder whilst they finished up, packed away the equipment, etc. Well, we all made our way back to our vehicles, and were all joking away like we've been friends for years. Trust the new guy to get a reaction on his first night? One of them shouted over from their car. Yeah, it took me months before someone had a message for me. Someone else chimed in. That sort of put me at ease. 
and they all said it was a good investigation and not to worry. I trusted them, waved goodbye and headed off home. But when I arrived home, I noticed I had an Instagram message from one other team member, Ruth. It read, Hi Jay, look, I didn't want to say anything to you as you looked pretty shaken up already. But just before we ended the session, the planchette was still moving. Now, Claire was more fixated on you, just to make sure you were okay. But I kept watching. And I don't want to freak you out, but I think you should know. The next letters that came through were P-A-L, PAL. And then Claire ended the session. I just want you to be careful. Much love, Ruth. I sat there in my kitchen, nearly tearing up. What has just happened? Things like this don't happen to me. I didn't attend the next investigation, but I encouraged my team to tag along, as I knew they'd enjoy it. I eagerly awaited their feedback, or to hear what they'd experienced. I was disappointed to learn they'd had a quiet night which only added to my anxiety of my night with them. But, as I always do, I put it down to pure coincidence, and I happily put it all behind me. I went another ten months with nothing, and I happily brought my team of explorers to the bomb shelter, and it was a quiet visit. And I've also been to a few more investigations with my now new paranormal friends, but I've had no messages when it came to the Ouija board nor have I participated. I made it clear to them that I'd never use it. But then around Christmas of last year, I had my next run-in with Harold. I was working in the garage building a new play frame for the kids when my wife asked me to come back into the house and look after the kids while she went for a shower. It was her workplace's Christmas night out. So I put my tools away, glad of the break, and went back into the house. My two kids were happily doing their own thing. My daughter sat there drawing, and my son was looking out of the back window which overlooks the fields with his new binoculars. Carl was quite the bird watcher, and was doing his usual, naming each bird when he spotted one. Kestrel! Magpie! Then, all of a sudden, he turns to me and says, Oh, Dad! There he is. There's who, kiddo? That man from the Glen. What man from the Glen? I looked out the window, seeing nothing. Where is he, Carl? He's behind our fence, Carl pointed. He's waving. Don't be silly, Dad, look. He's waving at us. I looked out at the fence, and there's nothing there. Nothing but the fields which stretched out far beyond. Carl, there's no one there. Dad, don't be silly. It's the man from the Glen. I paused. You told me you never saw a man in the Glen. Not with you, Daddy. When Mummy took me and Charlotte to the Glen, we saw him. Wait, what? Your mum never said anything about bumping into anyone. Did he say what his name was? 
Yeah. He told Mummy he was your friend. I think his name was Harry. Do you mean Harold? Yeah, Harold, that's the one. He said he was Daddy's friend, Harold. I just stood there, scared to my very core. There hasn't been a single moment in my life where I felt utter fear like that. Thankfully, to date, that was the last time his name was mentioned, and I can only hope it stays that way. Thank you for taking the time to read my experience. Jay. Well, Jay, thank you so much for submitting your true paranormal experience for episode 9. Now, I know one thing. I just feel it in my bones. I don't think you've experienced the last of this, and I'm not trying to scare you. I think things will have already happened. But you, being the person you describe, will have put them down to just one of those things. I would stake my reputation you've had things go missing and reappearing in the house. Because by all accounts, it sounds like Harold has grown attached, shall we say. Now, I sincerely hope I'm wrong in that matter, but cases like this very rarely end with the spirit simply waving goodbye. It normally requires some sort of intervention. Perhaps I'm wrong, perhaps it's not the case, and perhaps Harold has happily toddled back to the Glen. But Jay, if you could provide us with an update in, say, four or five weeks, even if it's just to say everything's fine, then we'll share that with our listeners in Season 13. But of course, before we reach Season 13, we need to sign off Season 12. And by God, do we have an experience next week to sign off with. Let me put it this way. Although prior to our last two weeks away, I'd already edited the season finale, whilst I was away, I received an email from the experiencer with an update of this ongoing situation. And trust me, it's an experience which is worthy of an end-of-season finale. Now, I'll take a leaf out of Jay's book and hope that the flickering light as I'm talking about next week's show that's currently taking place, is sheer coincidence, and I'm sure it is. Or should I say, I hope it is. So before I change this light bulb and reading these names by flickering light, I'll continue with our other Patreons who've signed up to join our team. We have... Tom Cloherty, Adina Gross, Kim, Josh, Nicola Bonsignor, Bailey Jacobson, Paul McMenemy, Mackenzie Jones, Lee White, Justine McIntyre, Jeanette Esparza, Amanda, Jessica Skirmont, Kathy Wilkins, TC, Jen, Leo Johansson, Val Bright, Malika Katharima, John Stallion, Kaya Bunnell, Nancy Pomerenke, Carl Clunder, Misty Williams, Stephanie Harris, Shannon Mercado, Pixel Messages, Taniqua Bailey, Samantha Callow, Angela B, Sheridy Gott, Ashley Schauf, Mary Vitello, Preston, Mitchell Strange, Roxanne Brown, Jessica Maroney, Julie Stevens, and Octavia. Again, thank you so much, guys. And if you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. So until next week, when we take a terrifying trip over to the Emerald Isle, please stay safe and take care. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another installment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, we'll see you next week for the season finale of season 12. 
Until then, as always, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll speak to you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.